Hello and welcome to the AA Ireland podcast. I'm Paddy Common and we're joined by Blake Boland. How are you, Blake? I'm very good. Settling in this yes. stage. Past the first month and you've, <laughs> you've kept me around. Good sign. Yes, yeah, I think we'll be keeping you around anyway. And um, what did you do this week? You were uh, off doing Citroen? That's right, yeah. The C5X launch, uh, which was a fantastic. Great venue. Uh, they put us up down there. We got to see the EC4X as well. It was just brought into the country and is already on a boat today, I'm told, back to the UK. Okay. But yeah, lovely car. I was able to take it home, so we have it for the week. Um, and as you know, we're recording a video later on looking at it, it as a FEV, you know, plug-in hybrid and trying to test can we get that journey back home on pure electric. Um, but yeah, looking forward to doing a full review on it and that'll be up on the channel. Yeah, we both live about 50 kilometres away from the office so we are attempting to drive all the way home without using any petrol power alone so it's really a test to see if there is any point to PHEVs because you know there's lots of people who think there's no point you're just dragging around a big heavy battery so we will put it to the test later on but the point of today is to talk about a story that we did a couple of weeks ago I think one of the first stories that you did in your AA career which was Looking at EV charging costs and, and, and specifically domestic charges because people buy electric cars, then they take them home and they might go as far as getting a wall box. Pretty much after that, they don't really think in a lot of cases how much it is costing them to charge. We know that EVs cost a little bit less to charge, but um, how much less? And are there variances within the charges domestically? So... If you and I lived on the same street, we both had a Volkswagen ID4 and we both had the same charger, does that necessarily mean that we're paying the same for electricity? So Blake has been doing all of the research and it's it's something that was picked up quite a lot in, across media. But here, just for you guys, is a slightly deeper dive because... Um, you know, only this week alone, Blake, we, we, we released our petrol and diesel prices and diesel is now up 4% versus uh, last month alone. Yeah, the second highest on record, I understand. Yeah, we've been doing the uh, AA prices since 1991. And uh, yeah, since then, now we have an average diesel price of two euro and two cents. And we know that there's lots of places selling it for more than that. But um, we are approaching, unfortunately, the highest price for diesel at the moment. Anyway, more upon that later. Stick around for the details on that. Are you thinking of renewing or shopping around for car insurance to get the best deal? Well, the AA is one of Ireland's top car insurance intermediaries, and we have been providing car insurance for nearly 40 years. The AA has teamed up with the top insurers to compare quotes, so you get the best level of cover to suit your needs at the right price. We also do price checks, so you don't have to. To find out more, go to the AA.ie. So, Blake, that story about you potentially spending three and a half times more than your neighbour for charging the same car. Give us the headlines from that, first of all, before we look into it further. Yeah, so that's the headlines. Three and a half times more than your next door neighbour has got the same car and charges up, you know, the same amount. And the reason is that not everybody's shopping around to get the proper tariff that suits them and works for them best. So... The research kind of, you could, you could take it a long way and extrapolate it a lot out, but that three and a half times figure. So if you, for example, had a pay-as-you-go meter and were on Electric Ireland, we figured out what that rate would be and then calculated out a second and a third rate. And then Electric Ireland has a whole variant, so you can get free charging on the weekend or some of them have nighttime boosts. And if you take those variants within Electric Ireland alone, it's three and a half times the amount. But in reality, if we got down into the weeds now, you could theoretically charge your car almost for free, or you could even pay a massive amount, twice of what 
we used in that example. So there's a huge variance. And as we go on today, we'll talk a little bit about that in you know in more detail. And yeah, people just to figure out the best way for them to charge, to, to have, stop and have a think about it. You know? So for people who don't know, okay, they, they've maybe just taken delivery of their electric car, they've got their wall box, and they've done nothing else. So, you know, if you're an Electric Ireland customer since the 1st of October, you're paying, what, 42 cents per kilowatt hour at, at the worst time? Yeah, at the pace you go rates is up around there. They're changing so frequently and all the different suppliers have different rates and there's different incentives to charge at night. Some of them have announced that they will put up the rates, but they're not yet. So it, it's impossible for us to, to sit here and tell somebody exactly what they're going to pay for it. So look, let's start from the start because we don't want to assume anything. Yeah. So... First of all, what are you know? What is an electric vehicle? What is? It? Let's start with the absolute basics. If someone is, like, oh, I've heard about EVs. I know they are. You don't put petrol or diesel into them. But what are the what are the absolute basics here? Yeah. So you've got a big battery in them, um, and that provides the energy that drives the electric motor. So before you would have had a petrol or a diesel engine. Now you've got a motor. Beforehand, it might have been a hundred horsepower diesel engine. Now you might have something like an eighty kilowatt motor. So do you, do you put any fuel at all into an electric vehicle, a full electric vehicle? Well, not the liquid form anyway. But <laughs> yes, we, we, we would put in your fuel would be the electricity that is just floating around your house that's coming through the grid. But there are people who think that if they have a hybrid car, that they're driving an electric car, in inverted commas. Yeah, there's, there's a little bit of a grey area in there. So that the hybrid car, they go all the way from something called a mild hybrid, which really isn't capable of actually moving the car forward. Then there's hybrids that have tiny little motors with tiny little batteries, and they might keep you going at cycling pace for a couple of kilometres. Mm -hmm. Then you've got your plug-in hybrid electric yeah, vehicles. Like the car we have this week. Yeah. That's right, yeah, the Citroen. And that's a FEV, so PHEV. And those ones have, have bigger batteries and, and stronger motors. So, for example, the car that we have now, the Citroen C5X, that's got an 81 kilowatt motor. And my old Nissan Leaf also has an 80 kilowatt motor, although that's fully electric. Well, so. And like kilowatts in, in, you know, people are already thinking, oh, Jesus, what are they talking about with kilowatts and whatever else? It, kilowatt is what? A kilowatt essentially is a measurement of power. So when we're talking about cars, which is what we're doing here today, electric vehicles, kilowatts, we're looking at the power that that motor can output, translate horsepower as we used to, yeah. or how fast you can put the power back in. That's how fast you're charging. So in simple terms, the bigger the horsepower, that means what? The more kilowatts, yeah. So the so the, a, a battery that has... Uh, you know, a bigger, uh, you know, a bigger kilowatt hour size because it's kilowatt hours, not kilowatts in terms of battery. Yeah. Yeah. This is one that we see confused very, very frequently. And even in the, a major the manufacturer's media, site. Yes. Yeah, as we noticed earlier on today, um, they sound almost identical. So it's a kilowatt is a measurement of power, yeah. but a kilowatt hour is a measurement of energy. So we used to have horsepower and now we've got kilowatts, you know, or we used to have a 50 liter tank and now you might have a 50 kilowatt. But so in simple terms, the bigger the number of kilowatts on a car, the more powerful it'll be. And the bigger the kilowatt hours, the further it will go. Is that fair to say? That's very fair. Yeah, of course, different cars, you know, a bigger SUV is going to go a little bit, but a little bit less because it's heavier and less, you know, the more wind resistance. But yeah, absolutely. And again, without assuming anything, and apologies to anyone who is uh, already going, I know all this, <laughs> but there's plenty of people who don't. Yeah. It, uh, talk to me about range briefly. So... Previously, when we'd started at 
the electric car journey range was a real worry because you were talking about 80, 100, 150 kilometres yeah, from a full charge. Pretty bad. Yeah. Where are we now? Uh, once again, there's a real variance. So, you know, if you look at some of the the cars on the market with lower ranges, and I hate to point fingers, but you know, the, the Honda E, for example, or the, the Mazda MX-30, they have smaller batteries in and around 30 kilowatt hours. And with those, you're kind of optimistically going past 200, but in reality, you're in that 170, 180 kilometer mark. Um, then we've got a lot of cars like, let's say, you know, what's the, the most popular EV in Ireland at the moment? Probably we were looking into uh, Volkswagen recently. ID4. Yeah. yeah, lots of them on the road. And the bigger battery variant of those has 77 kilowatt hours. So now we're talking about two and a half times the amount of the other ones. And with these cars, you're looking at, you know, a solid 350 to 400 kilometres and you'll push past that. I don't want to put you on the spot. And if you don't have the answer at the top of your head, it's fine. Is there a rough guide to kilowatts per kilometres? You know, if so if you're looking at a car that has 50 kilowatt battery or you're looking at a car that has 100 kilowatt battery, is there a kind of a rough guide as to how far they will go? based on that size yeah we have something called the WLTP test cycle and it stands for something along the lines of the worldwide light vehicle testing procedure don't quote me on that's that exactly but it's close, is it yeah. okay um, so they they put the car through tests but also sometimes the manufacturers just nominate they'll put the car through the tests themselves and they're really just indications and they're always quite optimistic they're not impossible you can beat them if you're careful in summertime but in general they're optimistic so me in my head I like to shave you know 10, 15, 20% or something like that I usually that take the it. vat off that's how I figure that's it out that's a great way of putting it yeah. Paddy yeah yeah, so it's it's uh, the range plus the VAT is the WLTP. Yeah. So, but I guess a car that has a 50 kilowatt hour battery is going to do around north of 200 kilometers, yeah, real I, world. I think you're looking at a solid 250, 270. You know, you put that into a car that, that is the size of a Range Rover and you're yeah, getting a lot less than a, a Fiat 500 or something like that. But yes. And just to summarize again, of course, before we move on, what are the things that affect range? The, the biggest is, is arguably the, the speed that you're going at. And Paddy, you've done a test on this yourself, so you might come in on this in a moment. But for example, if you can just drop your speed from 120 kilometers per hour on the motorway right down to, let's say, 100 or something like that, the difference, even though you've only dropped, let's say, top figure here, you know, you've dropped a fifth of the speed, you're going to save a lot more of that in, in energy. Um, then after that, you know, making sure your tyres are inflated properly. Uh, the weight of the car is obviously a factor as well. You temperature. Know, temperature, yeah. So in winter, you know, the, the air might be a little bit more dense. There might be moisture in the air, etc. And, and the car will just go that little bit less. Um, you know, if you've got the heating on or the air con, obviously that runs through the battery. But then so many of them these days have heat pumps, which are incredibly efficient. Wait, what is a heat pump? A heat pump is... Okay, let's just give a very, very rude description of it. I'm not saying it's a fridge in reverse. Okay. So, you know, when you put your hand on the back of the fridge, yeah, it's really, it's really warm. Yeah. And that has taken the heat out of your nice cold beer inside the fridge really? and it expresses it out the back. Mm -hmm. So what we do with a heat pump is we just simply reverse that. So we're taking the heat from the air around the car and we're bringing that into the cabin to make it a bit warmer. But the thing is, they're about 400% efficient. Oh, so wow. for every kilowatt hour of energy you use to bring that heat in, you're getting four kilowatt hours of heat in the car. Wow! Now you get down to the technicalities there, and the, the physicist will argue with you, but that's roughly. Well, it. look, I, you know, to help 
people listening and, and you know if they're in the showroom and the sales guy is like you know you should really get this heat pump yeah. but it's 800 euro is it worth it you'd have to look at the kind of driving you do for me personally if i'm going to spend let's say fifty thousand on a car and i can get it with a heat pump for fifty thousand eight hundred i'm going for it um it's just it, it'll just give you that extra bit of range um but also over the lifetime of that car, if you're doing 100, 150, 200,000 kilometers, if you've just shaved off one, two, three percent efficiency, that adds up into a lot of money saved because you wouldn't have spent it on charging. I guess what, I, what I'm getting at is it's not a gimmick. It's actually quite a useful piece of kit. Oh, yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah. And some of the like, bigger, fancier cars that we're seeing now, the more expensive ones that we test drive, they're, they're coming with heat pumps and, and you can just as you standard. Can see it. Yeah, yeah. As standard. Yeah. So going back to the costs. So we know that we, right, you've bought your electric vehicle. You know that you've started to understand that with this if I charge it fully to 100% that it might go 200, 250 kilometres or so how much is that going to cost you if you don't do anything so let's use the example of the Volkswagen ID4 the most popular EV at the moment if you charge that from totally empty to totally full at home on the sort of average in inverted commas ESB, Electric Ireland, whatever you're having yourself rate, how much roughly will that cost? Yeah. Well, to go back to the, what we were talking about earlier on, and that was the piece that we did. So if you've got your 77 kilowatt hour usable battery in the ID4 and you're paying something like, you know, Electric Ireland's pay-as-you-go tariff that we refer to, and that's 43 cents, give or take, per kilowatt hour, then you're looking at just over 30 euros to charge it. But if you're careful and you get that night rate boost meter and that price that you're paying drops down to about 12 cents, you know, so roughly a third of that and then you're paying less than 10 euros you know, so 10 euros say in an id4 for 400 kilometers yeah i think in my kind of driving i'd probably beat that i'd be 450 460 but i think people could reasonably assume something like that yeah but then at the other end 33 euro for 400 kilometers yeah but that's taking a, a fairly uh, pessimistic view you know in terms of how much you're paying that's that's a pretty high rate but I guess the point I'm making is even if you did nothing and you're paying the most expensive rate of electricity at home domestically mind you we'll get to the external chargers later yeah. you are still going to be about 50% less than an internal combustion engine car so say that a we know now from our current petrol prices, it's about €2 Euro per litre for diesel, a little bit more in some cases. Yeah. You have a 50-litre fuel tank. To fill that is going to cost you €100, Euro, and that might get you 800 kilometres or so. Yeah. So you're about twice the, the the cost of an EV, even at its worst, domestically, correct? Um, yeah, it's, it's probably a little bit better than that. But, um, you know, we, we've had done a little bit of work on it and we figured out that crossover price for what it is at the moment. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, we don't want us to... Uh, we don't want to see these prices for, for uh, electricity at any stage. But we said, what, 73, 74 cents per kilowatt. If electricity got to 73 or 74 cents per kilowatt hour, yeah. you would be around the same cost as petrol or diesel. Yeah, presuming a like-for-like like comparison. So you take the, the fully electric Nero against the, the fully fossil fuel version. Yeah, you're you're in and around that feed. The early seven, it's always going to change a little bit whether you're paying 195 or 205, but yeah. Now, we're nowhere near that yet. And we would imagine if we did get to that stage that what state would petrol and diesel be also at that stage? Yeah. So, so how should people go about 
you know, presuming we've they've already covered buying their car and buying their wall box, where do you start in figuring out what's the best time to charge and who to go with as a provider? Yeah, well, let, let's start off. Do you want to go for the most expensive or will we start off with the cheapest, you know? Well, I guess so, look, let's start at the most expensive and, yeah. and that's if you don't do anything, right? Yeah, so the, I mean, most providers, you know, for home electricity at the moment are hovering around that 40, 45, or you might get a deal on something better. And then there's one or two that are even higher than that. But if you're on the public network and you're charging, um, Ionity, for example, if you don't have membership at one of their programs, then you can be paying, you know, not too far off a euro. I mean, it's in and around that 70, 75 cent. And at that stage, you're almost matching your petrol and diesel equivalent. So that's hugely expensive. After that, then you're dropping down to EasyGo um, to to ESB networks. And they're in and around that kind of 45 cent if you're on a, a DC charger. So you're not quite half the cost, but you're, you're not too far off. It's still significantly cheaper. And we're still talking about a pretty pessimistic rate. Then you can charge on the slower AC ones. And they're the posts that you see in supermarkets or by the side of the road. They're not huge big units, you know, just little lamp posts even sometimes. And they're a little bit cheaper again, you know, maybe about half the price of what Ionity was or thereabouts. Then after that, we're moving into domestic rates. And that's where it gets really interesting, but also really tricky. Okay. Yeah. So talk us through those. If, if, if you know, where what would your advice be for someone who wants to make the most of charging at home and also who wants the cheapest rate line, who doesn't want yeah. that? Well, okay, let me give you a situation that happened not in Ireland, but in the UK a few months ago. Um, now, we can't have it here because we don't have the sophisticated uh, meters that they do. But there's this company called Octopus Energy over in the UK, and this is actually hard to believe now, but they, what they did with, with one of their particular rates was they tracked the EV wholesale price. Now, at certain times during the night or on the weekend, it was really windy or there was a lot, a lot of sun at the same time. There was so much renewable energy coming onto the grid that operators would have to be paid essentially to, to, to load shed or to, to shut down plants and stuff like that, where they would have to pay the, the producers anyway. So it was cheaper to pay people to use electricity than pay the producers. So there was a case where, you know, if you had a charger at home, you could have put, you know, two or 300 kilometers into your car just because you have to have three phase or something like that, you know, and been paid a few pounds sterling to get that. Pay, not pay them, they would have paid you, which is just incredible. So that that's the dream situation, but that, you know, that hasn't happened in Ireland. But what is happening for some people, Paddy, is that they've got solar panels on the roof of their house and they're producing electricity for free, you know, during the day. And what some people have is um, Zappy Charger is one example. So this has a little bit of technology that it knows how much your solar panels are producing. It knows how much your house is demanding. So the fridge, maybe you've got a washing machine on or something like that. And it will send the surplus into your car. So you're just getting free electricity into your car. Now we're not talking about great volumes, but as we know, the average car is parked up somewhere for what, 22? hours a day thereabouts yeah of course something like that yeah mm. so, so a lot of people are charging for free and there's also a couple of electricity rates out there where you can nominate a day on the weekend where you can actually get free electricity which is a great one and you know where how do you find this is this just a case of trawling through various websites or talking to your provider and, and letting them know you have an ev for example yeah i think there's plenty of website there out there that do comparisons of tariffs um, and you can input a certain amount of data but if you are thinking about getting an EV or you already have one, then you can look for EV specific tariffs. But it's also worth bearing in mind that these kind of tariffs really only operate with smart meters and you might not have one of those at home. Uh, is there a, a real benefit to getting a smart meter? 
So it's a double-edged sword in some senses. So if you can take advantage of a rate, and let's say you do a lot of a lot of miles, um, and you're going to charge your car overnight, and you're going to use a lot of, of of kilowatt hours, a lot of energy, then it can be worth it because you'll get such a cheap rate at night, but you'll probably pay a little bit more during the day. So if you're running your washing machine and your dishwasher and your electric shower during the day, that might be wiping out some of the benefits at night. And this is why people have to be smart about it. And it comes back to doing your research, talking to other EV drivers and considering when you use that energy. Is there a tendency for people, especially when they start with EVs and they buy their EVs, to constantly feel the need to charge it fully? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I had that. You know, as you know, Paddy, I've had an electric car for about five years now. And I remember the first month you know, being a little bit nervous the odd time ago, it's down to 20%, I better charge in, you know, yeah. panic. And at this stage, I, I've seen it dropping down to, to, to 1% before plugging in. Because that can really make the difference. I think, you know, people are coming home in the evening, especially as we know the grid is under pressure between 5 and 7 p.m. Yeah. There's still people who are coming home and just plugging in their car at 5 p.m. in the evening and leaving it there till the next morning. And A, you're paying the highest rate of electricity and B, are putting everyone else under a little bit of pressure in terms of uh, the grid, right? Yeah, that's right. And what we're starting to see now with the rollout of smart meters is incentives for people to switch away from those times. We're not as sophisticated as as other countries yet, but we're, we're getting there. So what we want to do is to incentivize people to not charge your car, to not have an electric chair, to not put your dishwasher on between five and seven, as you mentioned. So now can we program these machines and your car to do it during the night? Because it always doesn't have to be the smart meter. Would you get away with a, a, a you know a, a situation where you ask your car to decide when to charge, so you can set it to charge between two and four? If you had that rate, could you get away with having that without having the smart meter? If you knew that your electricity was, you know, at a lower rate between two and four a.m. Yeah, because you you need the meter to differentiate between when you're using it. So if it's a, a dumb meter to use the opposite of a smart meter, then it doesn't know whether it's 6 p.m. or 3 a.m. It doesn't know that, so it can't separate out your rates. Are we getting to a stage, or will we get to a stage where electricity providers charge differently for electricity that's going into a vehicle? That's a, a tricky one. How do they find out? So if you've got a smart charger, theoretically, yes, they'll know that electricity in your house went to these two different sources one was just for your lights and your dishwasher and this one went to the car uh, we're, we're not there yet in theory it could happen but are we going to see that i think that's looking down the line a, a little bit and i uh, don't want to give them any ideas possibly a little bit pessimistic but yeah if we are looking at a situation where people are saying to us right evs are too expensive and we know that evs are not cheap and we know they're not for everyone yet because of the costs. And it's just prohibitive for some people. Is How far do you think it takes before you start reaping the savings benefit financially of maybe that extra 7, 8, 12 grand that you spent on buying the EV versus the regular petrol or regular diesel version? Yeah, unfortunately, there's no straight answer to that because everybody is driving a different amount um, and the cost that you're paying for the car is going to be different. Um, and we're seeing that EVs are being quite quite expensive at the moment. Um, we're looking forward to price parity. We're not there yet, but it's a little bit more complicated than that as well. And I know that we had the, the Nero EV on test there a couple of weeks ago and myself and, and yourself, Paddy, we were going through the configurator and we said, oh, look at that. This is a good 10 or 12 grand difference between this car. And that's happened on other models before. But then you look into the details and you go, OK, well, if we're going to compare, compare the EV to the cheapest petrol version, 
um, you can only get the highest spec level if you opt for EV. So they won't you, allow you to... You don't see very many poorly spec EVs. Yeah, because when you see an EV, when you're thinking about buying one, it is, I wouldn't say always, because there's a couple of exceptions, but very, very frequently, it's the top spec one. It's coming with the bigger wheels. It's got the leather seats. It's got all the technology. The well, it's always automatic control. for a start, which is another two grand sometimes in a in a regular ICE car. Absolutely. And then you look at things like you know the power comparison. So that the EV version, if you want to compare that to the, the, the entry level petrol version, and it's just night and day in yeah, terms acceleration, of... Acceleration, exactly. Yeah. You know, a much smoother drive as well. So you're not having to work. It's not having to work so hard because it's so much torque and it's instant. It's there, yeah. It's, you know, they say that it's a hundred percent of the power available, hundred percent of the time. Yeah. But another concern people will have, obviously connected to the purchase price of buying the car, and maybe then the running costs of it later on, is how these cars age. So if you have bought a, a new EV, people think, oh, what happens to it when it's seven, eight, nine years old? Is it, you know, running? You know, will it do ten kilometers and then stop? W- what is the perceive wisdom at the moment on how these things are aging the, yeah like the technology is moving so quickly that what we knew even five years ago is quite different from what we know today and you know you can take the, the nissan leaf that i have that's that's had battery degradation you know every battery will have some level of degradation but it's a lot more in my car than it would be in anything that you buy today that's new and we're seeing even some of the older Nissan Leafs that were used as taxis in places like Scotland racking up, you know, 300,000 kilometres. Um, now, some of them would have gone through battery replacements. Um, but if you look at the modern technology, it's incredible how far they're going. I mean, you know, standard guarantees from, from manufacturers these days are, you know, five, six, seven, eight years or 150,000 kilometres. And people also have this notion that you drive your car for your EV for let's say 150,000 kilometers and all of a sudden you wake up in the morning and it's dead and that's not the way it goes it's a, it's a it's a slide it's a gradual decline i think it's also important to explain how a battery is configured what you know it's not one big lump it's made up of a variety of cells you know if you cut open and i've i've seen various cars cut in half uh, in my time and the likes of say Volkswagen ID3s ID4s you see that they're made of a series of cells which are slotted in. So it's not one big lump that if there's an issue with that one lump, your car is snookered. Absolutely. There's hundreds of individual cells in some of these. Um, And there's also different formats. I mean, there's pouch cells and there's cylindrical ones. And Tesla had a big announcement there last year um, with what people are facetiously calling the baked baked beans tin. You know, they're just bigger, larger individual cells. So there's a huge variation there. Um, and then it's the way you stack the batteries within the car as well. So you can put them in, in series where they're linked up and you get a real high voltage. You can put them side by side. It, it, there's whole variations the way. Uh, it's just not one big lump of metal. Absolutely. It would be wrong for us not to mention some of the EVs which were voted on at the AA Ireland Car Awards, which took place recently. A great night out. Yes, it was a good day out. A great night out. Where some of, the, of Ireland's best journalists, car journalists, voted on variety of awards over a winner being Dusty Jogger but there were some EV specific awards and the um, the entry point award or the you know the best small EV was the Fiat 500 500E what a car 
Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, I had it for a few days. I was supposed to actually have it for a week. And I think there was an, an incident with one of the other cars that was meant to be shown at the, the Plowing Championships. But uh, we got it and I had it for a few days and I just loved it. I mean, it was so much fun, you know, plenty of power there. The range was pretty good. And I believe Ireland's cheapest EV, it's about twenty four, twenty five thousand euros starting off with the entry point with a smaller battery. Yeah, yeah. So incredible value. I mean, like not everybody drives to Cork and back every day of the week, you know. So if you do the national average, you know, where you just you might have 30, 40k in the week or you're dropping the kids in school. Out of town. That's, exactly. that's yeah. plenty. And we had a category best value EV uh, and that was well it was it was definitely going to be an MG because those two were almost ne- neck and neck so MG5 came out on top uh, and again what a car and we've just today seen um, news of a new version yeah the refresh was just announced only two hours before we recorded this the MG5 I was Surprised with the MG5, not because of the quality of the MG5, but because I presumed that the MG ZS EV was going to get the nod because that was the refreshed version. Whereas our jury panel voted the, you know, the the old, the outgoing yes. MG5 model, the best M. And uh, yeah, it was a bit of, bit of a surprise, but, uh, you know, happy for them because the level of spec that you get in that car for the money is just incredible. But it's such a practical car as well. And, you know, bar Audis coming online, it's the only EV estate Essentially, yeah. I mean, you could argue the the Porsche is, but I think that's uh, it's a bit of a stretch, perhaps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Slightly different price category. Yeah, and then the big category, the one that was the most hotly contested, and again could have been put down as a bit of surprise, the best family EV, which you know we thought EV six, Ionic Ionic five. Yeah, Skoda Enyaq walked it. It, it really did. People just, the jury loved it. And that was just to, to go back to that point you made earlier on about having the jury, like myself and you, Paddy, we had zero input. We did not vote. Votes. We, yes. we, we had no votes. We had no input, no influence whatsoever. So it was. We had our views and we privately obviously would have had an, a notion what might win in various categories, but we didn't know for sure. Yeah. And Enyaq walked away with it. It we did. did. I, I had the, the all wheel drive variant there last week for a few days, but Paddy, you actually owned one at one stage. Yeah. Yeah, 12 months and 30,000 kilometres in an Enyaq and absolutely loved it. So, I mean, you could say, right, that's where I put my money. I put my money where my mouth is and, and, and mm. bought an Enyaq. And, and uh, you know, I miss it. I regret it. But it was it was good to shift it on as well. Don't know what I'll get next now, mind you. That That's that's a whole other podcast, though. I, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's now, when we got into the luxury segment and the higher end segment, Mercedes EQS. Yeah. What a car. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I haven't spent time in it yet, but I, I cannot wait to. Yeah, me neither. But like, so, so we, you know, we really did have quite a variety of cars in, in the EV winners. But so, look, again, going back to that choice and selection, there are so many cars now. I think it's because they reminded me of Heinz. I think there's around fifty-seven models of EV now because it made me think of that thing on the label of Heinz 57 varieties yeah yeah yeah. there's if anyone says oh there's no EVs there's no choice now availability is a different issue we'll come on to that in a moment maybe yeah Yeah, it's amazing that the the selection and you know I started writing about EVs you know kind of three four years ago and it was a very short list you compare the Nissan Leaf to you know the Model 3 wasn't even announced back then you know and whereas now the comparisons you can make are so much more details you've crossovers you've got a couple of estates in there now and huge variety which which is great to see great to give people the options because we will be at the point reasonably soon where we stop talking about EV categories or 
uh, you know EV specific awards it's just they're going to be cars you know so yeah. so we are in that unique stage and phase but look we have to touch on it the availability at the moment it's not good is it no it's it, it's very bad I mean we've been speaking to some of the dealers and at car launches we, we kind of ask people what's the lead time on these now I mean you're stretching to a year in a lot of cases and even beyond which is just uh, like we, yeah it's amazing you know? and this is on the on the back of a situation where we know that used car values are higher than ever yeah. because there's not availability you can't necessarily walk into a showroom and just drive out in a car anymore so it's a strange situation for customers to be in where they think, all right, okay, I need to change my car. I'm sick of this one, but I'm a year away or 18 months away from the car I want being delivered. I think there's going to be a situation where people are getting cars, cars to tie them over until yeah. the actual one they want arrives. Absolutely, yeah. You know, we were down at the MG4 launch there last week um, and I was asking the uh, the MG guys, you know, what uh, if I walk into a dealer now, you know, for an MG ZS EV, for example, when will I get one? And they said the dealers would probably advise you about 12 months. You've mentioned the MG4 and it's a car that you've driven. I, did, I was away, I but I walked through Drogheda Motor Show the other day and um, there's Brian Reynolds Cars in Drogheda who are a new MG dealer and I saw it and just listening to people talking, it's the car that everyone has a little bit of a buzz around. You did a video, it's on YouTube. Is it as good as we hear? Is the hype justified no it's better <laughs> it's yeah it, it's it's a general generational leap from from what they've done and the big difference for people and stop me Paddy, if i get too nerdy on this one but right. it's a dedicated ev platform so this car was conceived as an electric vehicle straight up and what it allows manufacturers to do is create something that you can call the skateboard platform so it's just the battery down low nothing else in the way and then you build whatever car you want on top of that and they're really made use of that so the size of the you know the boot the the leg space in the back that you get for a car of that footprint so was uh, it not the case with zs and five no they like they were originally essentially just rebadged uh, like there's a brand of the roey brand over in china so these guys are owned by saic motor a major chinese manufacturing giant and so i mean some people use the term a compromised car um just because you got a stuff either a petrol or a diesel or a hybrid or an electric. And you're fitting bits it. wherever you can find a, hub, a space, yeah. basically. So you get into, you know, your your ENIAC or, or a lot of EVs now, and it's just, it, it's kind of a bit strange for people as well because they get into the back seats and there's no transmission tunnel. It's just flat all the way across. Yeah, so it's flat pack. Yeah. So, look, the thing about the MG4, everyone's going to want one. It The price is right. It's, what is it starting off? It's like 28 grand or something. Yeah, yeah. I think it's about 27 and a half maybe delivery charges. You're still under 30,000 euros and you're getting a solid 300 kilometer range car that's 7.7 seconds. Looks good. Spec is good. Space is good. Yeah, and and it's it's so much more refined compared to the MG5, the MGZS EV. You can just, you know, I was thrown into a few corners just to kind of get a feel for it and just so stable, grips very well. It's, uh, it's impressive. But look, anyone who's going to want one of those, is that a year as well? We I don't know yet. Do don't we? know exactly, but it, yeah, I mean, it, the orders are already stretching out a long time because the demand is so high and they're just not going to be able to fill it. I mean, it's the same in every manufacturer now. They just cannot get the batteries to put into these cars. I think it's a car that had it been launched in September, would have been knocking on the door for an AA overall title. Oh, at our yeah. recent awards right yeah because we've seen some of the jury members uh, reviewing that car getting into it having a spin for it and their enthusiasm for the car is is really astounding 
yeah, we know there's an Irish card the year coming up in a few weeks, so maybe it's it might win that one instead. So you never know. Best of luck to MG if they if they do because it is look it's it's nice to see a car that is reasonably affordable. I know not everyone has thirty grand or has fi- access to finance, but it's it's a night and day from where we were with EVs. It's accessible technology. It looks good. This is the sort of tech that will get more and more people into EVs, right? Yeah, yeah. Just because it's, it's at that price point, you know, the, the MG5 will be in and around 35,000 uh, euros starting off, you know. And uh, yeah, it, it's amazing what you get for that in terms of like adaptive cruise controls. And, you know, you'll, you'll probably get 400 kilometers range out of that car. Um, you know, it's fast enough. Like it's only just, just over eight seconds in the north of 100. So you're, you're beating a lot of cars off the, the traffic lights with that. What, what do you think is the main worry for people who are thinking of moving to EV? I mean, we know we do surveys and we do questionnaires and range and things like that. Mm. But, but if for the average person out there who's listening to this and thinking, oh, you know, is it for me? What do you think the main worries are? What I hear the most is range. I don't know about you. What, what do you hear? Yeah, range and residual values. You know, is it, will the technology be obsolete? But yeah, it's, it's, it's fear-based. It's, it's will I break down if I get to a charging point? Will it be working? It, what happens if I'm stuck in the, the, you know, the middle of the road in the middle of the night? They're the things that people say. And, you know, for you and I who've driven EVs at the start of the tech journey, yeah, it was, it was in the back of your head, but it didn't really happen an awful lot. But and it could be inconvenient, but we're we are getting better in terms of the tech, the cars for sure, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the range has, has come on so much. Uh, the, the chargers are actually very reliable when you look at the uptimes. Um, it's a separate issue. Will they be full when you arrive there? And we do need to to have a, a shift. Uh, you know, the one-off DC chargers here and there are great. They're a help. But I'd love to see more hubs. And when I say hubs, that's at least, you know, five, six, seven chargers there. So, you know, if you pull up, even if they're all full, you know, you're going to be on one of them in five or ten minutes. Would you advise, and I guess this is, you know, if you're advising a relative or a close friend, would you advise someone who can't charge at home to buy an EV? I wouldn't necessarily rule it out. Yeah. I have a close family member that doesn't have any sort of off-street well, okay. parking. And, and they're you know an older generation than me um and they they make it work you know they they do kind of 12 to 15,000 kilometers a year so it's not major miles but it's still so so obviously it's better if you do but you would you wouldn't say to anyone oh look forget it if you can't charge it up um i I wouldn't say that no because you know it might be someone's second car that you know you might find that they'll get three weeks out of a full charge of that and that's recouped you know, in one charge at the office or two visits to the supermarket while they're picking up their their shopping, you know. So I wouldn't rule it out. Am I saying it's going to be easy for everybody? Absolutely not. And if you don't have a home charger or if you don't have a dedicated charger in work, then I'll absolutely have have a think about it. The worst thing that we could do is force people into EVs when it's really just not going to work in their life at all. And there is a little bit of that going on. You see it on social media where, you know, people are almost being shamed into the because they've you know haven't moved to EV or they you know they've bought a new petrol Ford Fiesta or something Hmm. it's not going to be accessible to everyone yet and I don't think we should be in a position where we start I know EV or ICE shaming someone if that's a phrase yeah I I, I don't like to see it Um, there's people out there like if you put it this way let's say for example we completely got rid of all types of range anxiety all concerns and everybody in ireland goes and like swap to an ev tomorrow or next year 
we won't even be close to having the supply of EVs. We can't switch everybody over anyway because they're just not there. And, you know, so let's, if we are going to switch people to EVs, what's the low hanging fruit? What's the win here? For example, um, you know, let's say you take your next door neighbor who just uses their car a little bit. They might do 4,000 kilometers a year. Then you've got a taxi person, you know, taxi driver who lives in the next house down and they do 40, 50, 60,000 kilometers a year. That's the much bigger win. You know, if you want to reduce emissions, if we want people to be driving on clean electricity, that's where the win is. So let's focus on the low hanging fruit. And look, we often see as well on social media, people you know, laughing and joking about the fact that we do so much, so many EVs. But the fact is, there are other reasons, apart from you know it being a desire, we're going to be forced out of ICE cars. Whether you like it or not. Yeah, yeah it's only a few years away. <laughs> it's, so I'm not sure where um, the end game is for some people where they think, oh, uh, you know, I won't drive one. But at some stage you probably will. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, there's a lot of people that um, have taken a stance, um, possibly have never even driven one, uh, possibly have been given the wrong information. Um, I, I do speak to people say, oh, no, I'd never get an EV electric. You can replace the battery after three years, which bears no resemblance no. to reality at all. No. You know, they only go 100 kilometers. Well, no, this one over here will actually do way over 400 kilometers and possibly six or 700 kilometers. You know, yeah. um, they're, they're so slow. You know, everybody remembers the Father Ted episode and the milk float. You know, <laughs> you go, well, you know, the fastest production cars in the world now, the, the Rimac Nevera, you know, the, the Tesla Model S Plaid, you know, not 100 kilometre times in, in pretty much two seconds. So to finish up, Blake, talk to me about some of your favourite EVs. You've driven lots of EVs recently. Um, give me give me a couple of the ones that really float your boat. Well, one that that has put a smile on my face the most, would I actually buy it? Um, no, because it wouldn't be big enough for my family and the range isn't great, but the one that's put a smile on my face the most that I've ever driven is the Honda E. Oh yeah, what a car. Just, it's it's different. <laughs> I loved you like it or that car. Did you as well? Okay. I loved it, and um, but now I couldn't live with it. I'd love mm. to be able to live with it, or if I had it as a second car. Second car would be amazing. But yeah. what a car. Fast, amazing handling. Yeah, rear wheel drive. One of the most interesting interiors I've ever seen in a car anywhere. Plug socket inside it. Yeah, so you can yeah. play your PlayStation or Xbox or whatever else. HDMI lead inside it. Yeah, doesn't have uh, side mirrors. It's got two cameras, two mirrors, yeah. camera stocks. Um, Which you'd just love to replace after a few years, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's just brilliant. Put a smile on my face so much. Um, then, you know, if I put my sensible hat on, uh, one of the MG5s, I mean, sorry, one of the MGs, the, the MG4 is, is uh, it's in the back of my mind, all right, just because the value for money yeah. for what you get. Um, do you know what I, I drove recently enough the new Nero EV I thought that was superb yeah I meant that in a couple um, of weeks oh yeah like you know if I go back to and say what, what's amazing about it I'm gonna go, oh, I don't know as an all rounder it's just incredible like the, the feel of the interior it was really good it was very pleasant to drive you know, road insulation was excellent uh, really good range and you know, those yeah. things that I don't know they just waved a the magic Koreans wand have, have it down for, for range I, I had, yeah. during the summer I, I drove a Kona EV because I had never driven one yeah and I could not believe how efficient that car was. Yeah. Unbelievably efficient. Yeah, there's people knocking close to 600 kilometres out of one of those. But yeah. my one had, had the smaller battery, a range of 400 kilometres, and I was doing like 395 with it, absolutely drying it all. And it was amazing. I couldn't yeah. get over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And But not to mention the, the new Nero EV, that's got V2L functionality, which is just, it, it's a step. At, for me, and we come back, we'll do another podcast on this in, in the future, but it's moving 
cars beyond being a box and four wheels into something else. Yeah. So you can draw power back out of the battery of these cars. And in our review, if you want to jump onto the YouTube channel and watch it, I actually boiled the kettle for a cup of tea in the sitting on the boot and I had a power drill out and showed it working as well. So incredible. Like I could have powered my microwave four times over just drawing energy back out. You know, it's just it's incredible. And yeah, for me, you know, obviously, uh, Enyaq was, was one of my favourites, but Polestar 2, I love. I, kn- I know you're in it coming up. Two weeks, yeah. It's just not perfect, but I, for some reason, it's just, I love that car. I, I, I have a bit of a Volvo thing going yeah, on, yeah. but I love that car. But but the i4 as well, that BMW. Wow. I was just about to ask you, we filmed that just before the, the AA Car Awards, and we said that this is going to be a serious contender. And it was. It nearly won an award. It was very close. Yeah, it was. Um, I nearly won an overall award, actually. Yeah. Order, yeah. yeah. And, and that's funny, isn't it? The overall award, not just the EV categories, mm. that it was knocking on the door for overall. Fantastic. So look, we'll leave it there. As ever, if you have questions, if you need to know about EVs, just don't worry. Just talk to us because that's what we're here for. We, you know, we're we're here. Find us on the social media channels. If you can find us on the social media channels, write us a letter. Whatever way you want to get in touch with us, just do because that's what we're here for. We are. We have endless patience in talking about cars, yeah. EVs, insurance breakdown, whatever it is. But you know, we've been talking about EVs today. If you want to get in touch, just reach out ask the question tell us what you want to see and we will do that just be prepared to have the ear bored off you because we (laughs) will talk back all day about it so that's it for this week we will be back next week as ever if you want to follow us on all of our various social media channels be it Facebook Instagram or even on TikTok now I know I don't know what to do about it it's previous generation we are there and of course do subscribe to the AIRN podcast and we will see you again next week 